0: We hope you enjoy this message from Matt Bruce, recorded at Equipus Church, Dunedin. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. Thank you guys. How good is it to have Jake serving? We've got the massive team serving tonight. Let's give it up for uh, the next generation. They're so good. Wow, it has been a big week. A really big week. I've rebranded O-Week as um, the biggest mission week in Dunedin. (laughs) We're just going to call it that. From now on, and it really has been an incredible week. And I've just loved seeing um, the young adult team in particular serving uh, with their whole heart. It's really been amazing, and I thank you everyone who put their prayers behind it as well, uh, who put resource behind it. When you contribute to the miracle offering, you contribute to us getting out there to reach people and connect people. So thank you as a church uh, for having a heart to pay the way for people to come into the kingdom. I really appreciate it, and God appreciates it more than me. Um, But it really has been a big, big uh, weekend. Last night, um, I was sitting in a beanbag at a stadium, (laughs) absolutely spent, and I was like, I wonder... How many volunteer hours have gone into O-Week? And I started to do some calculation and just our young adult team uh, who served at Tenth City, uh, they did 204 volunteer hours uh, across four days, which is pretty cool. Uh, across early birds, uh, there was 95 hours of, of voluntary hours put into early birds uh, just in six-day period. Uh, and, and that doesn't include every, all the young adults who turned up and just hosted people and connected people. Uh, That's incredible. And then I did a calculation um, at Red Frogs. We partner with four other churches. uh, And um, the volunteer force for that did 424 hours uh, of voluntary work uh, just because they love Jesus and they want people to have a safe night and they want to connect them with hope. And it's just been phenomenal. (laughs) Phenomenal. I think that totals, um, I think it's somewhere around 700, if I can remember, 724 voluntary hours across six days. (laughs) And if you want to put a price tag on that, if you go minimum wage, that's just under $12,000 of volunteer hours across six days. I think, wow, that's incredible riches, but really that's nothing compared to the riches stored up in heaven. I love that when I get to heaven, God's going to look at me and go, hey, Matt, he's going to tell me a testimony that starts with an O-Week 2019 at Tent City in 2019, at Toga Party in 2019, at the Highlanders in 2019. And I know that each one of you are gonna have that testimony as well, because you'll get to heaven and God will say, hey, remember when you prayed for O Week 2019? Can I tell you a testimony of someone's life coming into a line with the hope of my, my life? It's so good. So thank you so much, church. It's been the best week ever. I'm so tired. But it has been the best week ever, and I love what Pastor Sam says. He says, you may be tired, but you're not empty. I love that. Uh, Christ fills us. He sustains us. He's our strength. And um, although I may be tired physically, my soul has been enriched. My heart's been enlarged. And um, most importantly, people have come to know God, to get planted in a church, and to be set up for an incredible year. Um, So it's been such a good week. Such a good week. Oh, Shall we pray? I need Jesus. Jesus, I thank you so much that you've been with us all week. Thank you, God, that you don't just turn up for Sundays like we do sometimes, but you turn up in our days every single hour. Thank you, God, that you're with us. And I pray tonight there'd be a great um, encouragement as we leave this place, that you would speak your truth into our lives and it would set us free. So, God, we lift up tonight to you. God, I pray that you'd use my broken voice to communicate your truth and your word. And uh, yeah, we just pray for an incredible night in your house. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So good. Well, this week, um, as I said, it's just been an incredible week of uh, serving. And I just want to commend all the young adults again for just living a countercultural life. Living a countercultural life. Um, I don't know if you've looked at society recently, sometimes I just like to observe society. And I was looking at society and I was like, wow, we've really turned into a bit of a self-service society, right? It's like everything we do now is hinged towards serving yourself. And um, a couple of months ago, this really came to, to the light uh, or to my center, I don't know, attention, there you go. To my attention, um, I got given a check. <laughs> Who gives checks? <laughs> I was like, should I save this for the Antics Roadshow? <laughs> I got given a cheque, and I was like, my goodness, what do I do with this? And, uh, but I decided I'll take it to the bank, because that's what you do apparently with cheques. Um, so I took my cheque to the bank, and as I'm walking in the door, I get like, intercepted, and this lady says, hey, uh, what, what are you in for today? I thought, well, this is a good service, didn't even have to wait in line. And uh, I said, I'm just in to uh, bank my cheque. She looked at me a little strange, but she's like, we still do that. Uh, and she said to me, she's like, hey, do you know that uh, we actually have smart ATMs now that you can um, do it just at the ATM? You don't even need to come in here. And she's like, do you want me to show you how to do that? I'm like, okay. So we walked outside, and she shows me how to how to bank my check and goes through all the processes. And while we're doing that, I'm talking to her, and it comes to my attention that she's She's showing me how to do this, and in the end, it's going to work her out of a job. And we just started talking about that. I'm like, hey, you're being so nice to me. Thank you for for showing me how to do this. But it's really sad because you're actually going to be out of a job because of this. And she's like, yeah, I am. I thought, wow, that's really sad that we're getting to a place where we can just serve ourselves, that we turn up to the ATM, no people interaction. And what was special that day was that interaction with another human being. And I'm not going to get that again potentially because now I just walk up and I just look at a screen and put my check in, probably not again, cash in. And, uh, and then it's done and I walk off. With any people interaction, I was looking around at society, I'm going, wow, we're really heading that way. So I walk into McDonald's and I can just do everything on the screen. And then I walk into New World and I just go through my self-checkout and there's like 30 self-checkouts in one person, so I can do my best to avoid them. And then I go like to a restaurant or something, and it's just like all you can eat, so you just you say hello to the person, pay your money, and then you go and you just load up your plate, and you just do your own service. I choose what I want, you know? It's like I go I go to the petrol station, and I don't even have to walk in now because I've got the BP Me app, and, and I just pay for it on my phone, fill up and ditch. I always think it's a bit dubious, eh, but... But it's where we're moving towards a self-service society where we don't actually need to uh, interact with one another or serve one another because we just, we just do it ourselves, right? And um, there's some real positives to this. It's like if I'm having a bad day, I don't need to see you. <laughs> I don't need to try to be polite when I walk in. I just fill up my car in my disgruntled mood and then get back in my car and drive off. Right, There's a positive, it's convenient, but, but there's also some real negatives towards just being a self-service, um, in a self-service society, and some of those negatives is that you often do a poorer job, so one of the great things about a service station is that those people are ninjas on that little sponge thing with the wipey thing that does your windows, and I'm not very good at it, I always get streaks and everything, so when I go and I just do my BP Me app, I no longer get the shh, because I just look so self-reliant, I need to look more like I have no idea what I'm doing and they'll come do it for me. Other things is like when you, um, when you go to an all-you-can-eat thing and it's self-service, you always eat too much. It's bad for you. Self-service is bad for you. Your waistline will increase. It will. It also is like you, get, you just get lonely people. Lonely people, I miss that connectedness. Those little moments where you just say hello actually matters a lot. I always think about, especially around... Uh, the elderly and stuff like that, sometimes most of their friends have already gone, and the only interaction they get is with the checkout chick. And it's like that's a really special moment. And we're we're moving towards a society that is like that's, that may not happen. Yeah. All you get is the annoyingness of the New World South checkouts. Please remove your card. Please do this. Please take your items. Please take your items. Please take, I'm taking them. <laughs> it's so annoying. So annoying. But the thing is, with this lack of connectedness now, is that we live in a a generation that probably has the greatest level of social anxiety we've ever seen. And I think that's because we just don't have connectedness. Those little interactions make a difference because people are scary until they talk. (laughs) And then you just walk around with assumptions in your head about what everyone is thinking about you instead of just talking and realizing, oh, we're just humans. We're just humans. You see, I believe that although society has structured itself to empower the individual, what they've actually achieved is a disempowered community. When you empower an individual and put so much thing on the individual, they can self-service themselves, you actually disempower a community. You disempower a community. But the great news is that Jesus came to empower the community. The community got to a state where Jesus, where guys like, man, I need to send my son soon. <laughs> because things are looking pretty bad. Everyone's just about themselves. So I need to send Jesus to revitalize my community, revitalize it. And the thing is, is that um, Jesus didn't just come to empower an individual. He came to empower all of us, all of us together. And and he did it through the repetition of two simple words, which is the title of our our whole series, One Another. Just said one another a whole bunch of times, just to make sure that you got out of the me pattern. One another, one another, one another, one another. Love one another, serve one another, encourage one another, spur one another on. You see, Jesus came to revitalize God's creation, to revitalize God's community. And the message he lived that we're gonna look at tonight is serve one another in love. Serve one another in love. And you'll find that in Galatians 5.13. Serve one another in love. And I wanna open up, uh, we're gonna look at one passage tonight. And you could probably predict it by the the title, serve one another. Any any bets? I think I heard it. Let's turn to John 13. Let's turn to John 13. If you don't have a Bible to turn to or a phone right now, it's pretty awkward for you because I'm going to take a while here. I've been working on this let's do it together thing. Instead of marking it beforehand. Because then I look like a ninja, and really, I'm still trying to learn my Bible too. I'm almost there, guys. We're here, we've arrived. John 13. Let's read it. Am I in the way? Okay, cool. John 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress. Here we are. We're at an evening meal, dinner time. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Jesus, the son of Simon, as a it carrot. It? Is that he said? It? As a carrot. Sounds like a carrot the son of Simon, something, to betray Jesus. Watch this. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power and that He had come from God and was returning to God. Let's pause there. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power and that He had come from God and was returning to God. Has everyone watched a game show? Everyone? Put your hand up if you've watched a game show pretty much everyone, and the way a game show goes, right, let's pick uh, who wants to be a millionaire? Who wants to be a millionaire? And say they're at $100,000, and then Eddie, because we'll do the Australian version, Eddie will ask, uh, what are you going to do with that, that $100,000, What's your first move? Like, like, what do you want to do with that life? And then it gets up to 250000 What would you do with 250000 How are you going to use it? What are, you, what are you going to do with all that money? Wow, you just want a million dollars. What are you going to do with that? Maybe right now tell your neighbor, if you want a million dollars, what would be your first move? First move. I heard some very Biblical answers down the front. I heard Brigitte say, ah, the tithe. (laughs) Holla. Um, There was probably some other things, like I'd pay off my mortgage, I would pay off my student loan, because that degree's super useful. Um, (laughs) Nah, it's good, university's great, guys. what about buy a car or, or buy a house or do something like that or go on an epic holiday, buy a round-the-world ticket? I'm sure lots of those things popped up, and it's a good question, hey, what are you going to do with it? And um, another, another great example of this is uh, when the President of the United States gets elected as President, right? And they, they go through this thing called an inauguration, and, and they usually give a speech. And the speech is usually like everyone's waiting to hear, hey, what are you going to do with all that power? You're now the most powerful man in the world, apparently. What are you going to do with all that power? What's your first move? And they usually say the 100-day plan. um, Just saying Donald Trump was the first person to complete his 100-day plan. May not have the best things, but he he gets it done. (laughs) Gets it done. But everyone's going like, hey, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with all that power? And we've just come to a place in this scripture that we've just read that leads to that question, hey, how are you going to use that power? It just says, it says Jesus knew. Here's this revelation. He's just sitting there having his meal. He's like, hang on a minute. I have everything under my power. Yeah. <laughs> All things. I'm not just the president of the United States. I own this, like pretty much the earth and the heavens and everything around it. <laughs> All powerful. And, and our question, therefore, is as the audience, hey, how are you going to use it? What's your first move, Jesus? And let, let's read what his first move is. So it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power and that He had come from God and was returning to God. Here it is. So He got up from the meal and bought a house. No. So He got up from the meal, took off His outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around His waist. After that, He poured water into a basin and began to wash His disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around Him. What a moment. Most powerful man in the world. His first action is to put on the appearance of a servant. Could have done anything. 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 And his move was to take off his outer garment and wrap a towel around his waist. Man, I would have loved to have been there for that. It probably would have been a little awkward in reality. You see, I don't know, um, I always think like, hey, what would it have be been like to be a disciple? What would it have be been like to be one of those disciples? Like, obviously, we're a disciple now. But what would it have be been like to be a disciple back then? And I, I, I imagine that um, they were pretty big days. <laughs> it's like, hey, how was your day? Oh, not much. Just watch some Netflix. and you know, It's like, no, no, it was a huge day. We walked like miles after miles after miles. Had to cast out all these demons. Crazy. Had to feed 5,000 people. Uh... <laughs> was under constant judgment because uh, Jesus is right beside me. Um, pretty hard to live up to that. Pretty massive days, yeah. It's hard to feel like a success until he says he loves me and then it's all good. I'm, I'm back, I'm back. But I assume they're pretty big days and I know that in my humanity, when, when I look at my life, I often look at it as like, hey, what's the cost but what are the perks? Let's be honest, in our humanity, it's like, hey, there's a cost to things but what are the perks? And I think the disciples may have, when they're traveling along the road and it's been a big day, weighed up the cost and the perks. And I wonder if when they got to the back a little bit, when they were out of Jesus' earshot, if they talked about the perks. Like, man, it's been a big, look at my feet. Look at the blisters on these things. So, hey, but how good is it that no matter how big the day is, at the end of the day, we get to go to these fancy houses and they have servants because they're rich. And we get to walk in and they wash our feet and they put on a mean feed for us. Man, oh, it's tough being, a, being a, a, a disciple of Jesus, but how good are the perks? How good are the perks? And we join the story in this scripture where it's like, hey, the evening meal. I wonder how the day had been before that. I wonder if it was the toughest day that the disciples had had yet. And they were just talking amongst themselves, murmuring in the background. Man, I can't wait to have my feet washed. <laughs> man, I'm looking forward to the perks. This ain't costs, but I'm, man, I'm living for the perks today. And they walk in the household, and, um, and what happens is that Jesus washes their feet. Jesus washes their feet. I wonder if they were sitting around, reclined back, pro-reclined back, eating their food, and I think it was customary back then to have your feet washed when you entered the house, if I'm correct. And uh, maybe they didn't get their feet washed when they entered the house, and they're sitting there trying to do subtle hints to the servant, like, just like trying to get the smell wafting around and stuff like that. And I wonder if Jesus had told them when he walked here, don't don't wash your feet, please. And, and the disciples are sitting there going, man, I've got dirty feet. And it's like, oh, well, the meal started. Okay, we better have our meal. Who cares about the washing of the feet? And I wonder if Jesus heard the murmurs of, oh, where's my perks? Where's my perks today? And I wonder if Jesus in that moment thought, here's an, here's an opportunity <laughs> to serve them in that way. And I, man, I think of how awkward this moment would have been when Jesus got up and started washing the disciples' feet because they'd been talking all day about the perks and then Jesus got up and was going to serve them. And I don't know about you, but as a disciple in that moment, I would have felt very awkward about all the things i talked about before that moment. Like, oh, I've been trying to signal the servant. And the whole while, I didn't realise I was signaling Jesus and my leader's about to do what I was sort of moaning hadn't been done. Very awkward. Let's read on in verse 6. It says this, He came, after washing a few of the disciples' feet, He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. I love this interaction. Peter is at the height of social awkwardness right now. Jesus has washed more than one disciple's feet and they realize he's serious. And Jesus had a bigger day than any of them. And they're sitting there, really awkward. And he comes to Peter, and Peter can't hack it anymore. And I imagine in this moment, maybe in our terms, I felt like Peter would just murmur, "Jesus, this isn't your place." And Jesus, like, looks up from him. He's down at his feet. Looks up at him and says, "What was that, Peter?" And Peter says, "Jesus, this isn't your place." And I can imagine Jesus in that moment, locking eyes with Peter and saying, "No, this is my place. This is my place." This is my place. This is what I came to do. I came to serve. I'm going to start at your feet. And right now I'm just washing your feet. But boy, I came to wash your life. I came to purify your whole body. This is just the start of what I'm doing. You don't understand. I need to wash your feet. Otherwise you have no part with me. I've come to purify you. So right now I know you see me as a leader, but here's my place. Here's my place. I'm here to serve one another. And then the disciples in that moment realized Jesus is for real. He's gonna do the whole room and they're gonna have to sit there. And I wonder if that moment, if the disciples like, Jesus, I'll take over. And he's like, sit down. Sit down. You wanted your perks to be served? I'll serve them. And I'll do it happily because that's what I came to do. It's what I came to do. This is my place. And in this moment... (laughs) We know that this moment has a profound effect on Peter because later on when you um, read 1 Peter 4, 9, it says this, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. (laughs) It's what Peter writes. (laughs) He's like, man, we were all grumbling about, oh, this is a hard day. I can't wait for my perks. And then Jesus came and washed our feet. I think we should offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. He then writes in 1 Peter 5, 5, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Because he saw Jesus pick up a towel and wrap it around his waist and take on the appearance of a servant. Therefore, Peter's like, man, just do it. Clothe yourself with humility. I saw him do it. We can do it too. Has a profound effect on Peter's life. Such a profound effect. Let's keep reading. Let's go from Let's go from 7 again. Jesus replied, "You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand." "No," said Peter, "you shall never wash my feet." Jesus answered, "Unless I wash you, you have no part with me." Then Lord Simon Peter replied, "Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well." Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that is why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes. Thank goodness. He put on his clothes and returned to his place. Interesting that it says his place. I think Jesus knew his place was more of the servant rather than just at the table. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked him. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example. <laughs> Jesus is great. He doesn't just say words, he does it. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Such a great passage of scripture. The thought I've been going through the last few months is if Jesus walked in the room, what would he do first? And I've, I've often said it on stage already, but he'd, he'd go to you. He wouldn't, he wouldn't rush for this mic. <laughs> he'd probably just see the need and go, Can I vacuum the foyer? Okay, yeah, sure, Jesus, you, you can do that. But he would come to serve. I love that thought. So we've just read this scripture. We got through it. Well, if you read this in one sitting without dyslexia, you could get through this in 30 seconds. For me, like two minutes, that's all cool. Um, but rarely we lose the impact of it because we can just braze through it in a minute or two. But imagine being in that room when it takes 20 minutes for Jesus to go around the whole room and they're all sitting there like, this is super awkward. Super awkward. For 20 minutes, perhaps, Jesus goes around washing their feet individually. <laughs> and I wonder if in life we would change, like I was thinking about my response sometimes. Hey Matt, can you can you serve at this thing? And I'm like, oh sorry, I haven't got the time. Uh hey Matt, can you uh jump on that? Oh, it seems a little below me. But yes, okay, or whatever. I was thinking, imagine if every time we said no to serving, if Jesus was standing right next to us and said, I'll do it. That'd be confronting, right? Uh, Hey, could you serve on uh, kids this morning? Oh, sorry, I've actually had a really big week. Jesus, I'll do it. And then you're like, awkward. (laughs) Awkward. The guy that we're all here for is the guy who wants to do everything. I don't want to do anything. It'd be very confronting. I don't know about you, but I'd find that hugely confronting. But what I love about Jesus is that Jesus lives out the life he's going to call his disciples to. He always sets an example. He walks in a room and he'll set the example. He doesn't just say, hey, here's some great words. Here's a great sermon. He actually he lives out what he, what he says. So he lives out the life he's going to call his disciples to. He lives out that countercultural life because he's had to revitalise the community, right? To birth a community that prefers one another over themselves. That loves one another with the measure that they love themselves. That encourages one another more than they judge one another. That serves one another rather than serving their self-interest. You see, Jesus came to shift us from a me to a we. From a me to a we. There's commentary right now around our generation, my generation. They always say lovely things about the millennials. (laughs) There's a conversation around my generation right now that we are the, the me-we generation, um, that we love to be a part of the big, but we want to be the one who's recognized. So it's like, I just want to be part of it, put me in the big group, but as long as I'm the one who's recognized, and I'm like, oh, that's so true. We want to be part of something big, but we want to make sure we're the centralized character. Hey, make sure that impact's traced back to me. Make sure the Wikipedia page follows me. You know? It's like, I just need to make sure it's traced back to me. Where the me, we generation, and I think that's toxic. And Jesus wants to take out the me and just go, hey, it's we. Yeah. It's just we. It's just we. Because a self service mentality leads to a disempowered community. And this world needs a community, it doesn't need individuals, it needs a community. And we need a community as well. We need a community. Imagine what it would look like if we just serve one another, like Jesus served. <laughs> we probably wouldn't get through the front door because everyone would want to wash everyone's feet. <laughs> come on, there's different demographics here, and like, I I want to encourage you not to just live in a self-service bubble. For students, come on, Google will inform you, but it won't support you. Late at night when you need the answer, it'll give you it, but it won't help you when you're tired and a bit broken and need some help. You need people who actually care about people who are going to serve one another. Get in a tutoring group. Best thing you can do for your studies. Best thing you can do because it's someone actually caring for you beyond just informing you. For parents, it's like, man, you could pick up so many books or, or get some podcasts on, how to, on some tips how to parent well, Right? but a book or a podcast is never gonna see that that you're battling a little and you're in desperate need of a date night. <laughs> you need a person in your world, you need a friend in your world who actually sees that and goes, hey, can I babysit so you can go out for a date night? Because I wanna serve you, I wanna serve you. A book and a podcast can't serve you. It's good at sitting on a shelf, sitting in a device, but it's not gonna help you. What about youth? Facebook and Instagram, let's talk. I deleted Instagram over summer because it was toxic. But I'm back with a pure mindset. <laughs> it's so, it's just highlights, man. But I am back, I am back. Don't follow me. No, no, no. But Facebook and Instagram will give you that feeling that, that you're part of a community. It does, it gives you this thing that I'm connected. It's like, that's why you get on your phone in every social situation instead of standing there awkwardly because you're like, I just want to look like I'm connected to something or someone, so you don't want to, don't want to sit there and look like, oh, I'm the lonely person. It's like, oh no, I'm busy on my phone. <laughs> connected. May not have any friends in this class, but <laughs> 200 and so first friends. Like, you know? <laughs> we set a challenge one time in our e-group where we had to go a week and every situation where we would usually pull out our phone, we had to leave it in our pocket. It was the week with the most testimonies. <laughs> all it takes is just for you to sit there and embrace some awkwardness and go, I'll wait for a conversation. <laughs> but come on, youth. That, that, that Facebook, Instagram, they will give you the feeling that you're part of a community, but um, it's far better to exist in a real community, in a real community that shares the highlights and lowlights, that doesn't just compare and show off to one another, but actually serves one another, is with one another in the battle, about young professionals? Young professionals are all about, um, all about getting stuff, looking good. That's what I'm learning. It's like a house, oh, a home will house you, a job will resource you, a holiday will refresh you, but none of these things will satisfy you alone. Being a young professional is not about ticking the boxes. If you do that, it won't satisfy. You need a community of people to do life with. You need a community to serve and, and to be served. Life's greatest asset is not what you own, it's the people who you share it with. The way it is. I was gonna do something for the older generation, but then I realized, you guys are awesome. <laughs> if I look at the older generation, I think they get it far better than we, I get it. Far better. The hospitality I've experienced from the older generation in this church has far outweighed anything I've experienced anywhere else. All I can encourage you is to keep reaching across the generations just keep reaching across the generations and do it by demonstration, not by dictation, but through demonstration. Because we need it. We need it. Oh, I got the keys back. Nice. Nice. So my question to you is, what's your first move? The anointing. (laughs) To simply, what's your first move? In life, you're gonna go through many situations, many circumstances where you get a moment like Jesus where you realize something's been put under your power. It will never be all, but it will be part. Maybe you get a promotion at work. What's your first move? Maybe you get a new home with a few more rooms in it. What's your first move? Maybe you get a little more on your paycheck. What's your first move? Maybe you get a promotion. What's your first move? Maybe you get a new car for a couple more seats. What's your first move? All these things in life, God entrusts us with. But He does so expecting that our first move would be to serve. That our first move would be to serve. Because that's what He would do. And He had all power. All power. Jesus calls us to the life that He lived. And what I love is that Jesus calls His disciples um, to serve one another, and it's not to enslave them, but to free them. Not to enslave them, but to free them. Sometimes when we think a servant, we think a restriction, but that's not true. He calls them to be a servant because He knows it will lead to a free life. Jesus doesn't call you to a life that is any less than the full abundance of life. And He does so. He calls them to be a servant because sin comes when I prioritize me. You could say the root of all sin is me. (laughs) Almost. Because it's like that's when it comes. When I look at myself, that's when dysfunction sets in. Any anything I can trace back is to when I thought I needed to prioritize me. So Jesus is saying, Hey, do you want to live a free life? Just become a servant. That seems weird, God. It's countercultural, I know. I came to preach counterculturally and live counterculturally, and you'll find life and life in its fullness. You'll find freedom because you'll move away from prioritizing you, so which will dis- like, disassociate you with sin. It'll provide more opportunity to serve one another, and then you're gonna find life and life in its fullness. Life and life in its fullness. Come on, I wonder if we could tell a different story. I think that the chapter of self service has got big enough already. I wonder if we as the church could tell a greater story, a story that talks about loving one another, serving one another, preferring one another. That's hard, but man, would it transform things? Man, it would transform our world. It'd be incredible to watch what God could do as we prefer other people. And it's gonna take a lot. It's not a little part. It costs you your whole life. (laughs) Whole life. But Jesus says, when you lay down your life, you'll find it. You'll find it. That's a promise. I wonder if we could call our chapter just simply one another, or we could call it we. We, the chapter of we. Come on, I just really wanna encourage us and leave it there that, could we just be a community that serves one another? It's the end of our one another series and that doesn't mean we finish Living it? <laughs> Let's remember the moment. Come on, tonight we sang just a moment. Just a moment. Peter had a moment with Jesus when Jesus washed his feet and it transformed him completely. I wonder if we could tonight, get the, we'll get the band back up. And maybe we're gonna sing that again. I wonder if you could just have a moment with Jesus where, you, where something shifts where you let Him serve you. And something shifts internally because in the natural, it's hard to actually let go of your self-service. But when God gets a hold of your life, you start to move towards what He loves. So tonight, as we go into that, I'm just gonna pray before we do so. But let's all stand to our feet and then let's have that moment, that transactional moment. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded at Equipus Church in We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com.